right, so how many of you were here last night? Raise your hand if you were here last night. So most, most of you, but not all of you. If you were not here last night, what you missed was we pulled back the veil, like Toto exposing the Wizard of Oz. We pulled back the veil on the world. So the theme is, what in the world? That's the theme of our conference. And so people ask that question, like, what in the world? And what they're really wondering is, is hey, whatever I just heard, whatever I just saw, it doesn't actually fit in my understanding very well. And what we saw, we started with this. Most people don't even know what the world is. What's the world? What is it? Like, is it a planet? Is it a group of people? It's the way we live. What is the world? Who was here last night? Can you tell me what the world is? What is it, Ethan? It's creation in its current fallen state. Okay, we looked in Exodus yesterday, and the reason why is because how many times in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 do we read that what happened to them are actually examples for us? Anybody? Give me a hand. Two times. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul tells us, the church, hey, by the way, you guys, all that stuff that happened with them, it's, uh, those are examples for you. The Bible's a picture book. I love picture books. I wish, you know, in the, the books I read now, I don't have any pictures in them. I, I miss them, except the Bible has a picture book. So what happened with Moses? What happened with the nation of Israel? That is a picture for you and I to look at that because what we do is we're like, oh, they were so dumb, and then we go do the same thing. So God just gives us this thing. But what we saw when we pulled back the veil, we saw that Egypt was being run by an evil tyrant who was putting God's people into bondage, and the result of that is death. Okay, hello, somebody. Don't you know that the world in its current fallen state is nothing but a governmental system on a, on a, in a place being run by an evil tyrant trying to get God's people, you all, into bondage? And guess what the result of that is? The result of that is death. We looked at Miriam, Moses' sister, in our minds. And we saw her standing by the riverside watching what was going to happen to her little brother. Because what happened to little boys in Egypt at that time? They were thrown in the Nile. They were thrown in the Nile and fed to the crocodiles. Because that, okay, we looked at that and we asked ourselves, there was three reasonable questions. Hey, why, okay, the Holy Spirit is in the house, praise the Lord. Okay, we're connected. I don't know. What? Disconnected. Oh, disconnected. Oh, man. That's lovely. Okay. Why is it like this? Why is there slavery? Why is there unfairness? Why, is, why are, do some people do so well and other people do so poorly? And why is there death? And why is there suffering? Why is all this stuff in the world? We asked ourselves that question. And we answered that question. Well, 
Sin entered the world and death by sin. So we're in a fallen world, and guess what? We're a fallen race. The second question we asked, if I'm God's people, why am I in bondage? And this is where we got our, 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 our thing from yesterday. Here, go back. Go back. You should be on slide number 21. That's 21? Yeah. How about going back another one? Go back another one. One more. Okay, go forward one. <laughs> Sorry. You want to go where? Forward. Right? No? Back? Yeah. Okay, right there. Okay. We were, were born in bondage. You guys were born with a sin nature in a fallen world. And unless we can escape that reality, death is a result, spiritual death. Okay, so we saw last night. Now, you missed it. You missed the opportunity to hear that because you were, like, doing stuff. I'm not saying it's your fault. But, but we pulled back the veil on the world. Listen, when you got saved, you didn't get a ticket to heaven. Did you know that? Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, Who delivered us from this evil present world. There is a time coming when this ball of dirt, this earth is going to melt away in fervent heat. And the end result of it all is there's a lake of fire. This earth, we've got to get off of it. The world that we live in, you listen to me. Some of you can't wait to get out of high school to get out on your own, away from your parents, so you can get away from all this Bible stuff, all this Jesus stuff, and you can just escape off to the world. You guys, the world is something we need to escape from. It is a fallen state. It is a creation in a fallen state run by the prince of the power of the air who doesn't lure you into the world because he loves you. He lures you into the world because he hates God. He hates you. He wants to put you into bondage and destroy you. Come to my Sunday school class. We send the shuttle to the mission. We pick up the men who are in the Christian life program at the City Union Mission. And these are men who have spent most of their lives in ruination out in the world because they just saw something shiny. They didn't know there was a hook and a line on it. And the devil was just luring them off into the world. And they thought the world was something to escape to. So after decades of bondage, addiction, broken relationship, disease, and frustration, they finally hit rock bottom. And now at my age, they're trying to get to where you are. Because they've wasted their entire life. Listen, you guys, the world is something to escape from, not something to escape to. But that was yesterday. Okay, today we have another opportunity. You guys hear about the reporter who was asking Bill Gates? He was the richest man in the world at the time. I don't know if he still is, but he's up there, right? Okay, so the reporter was asking Bill Gates, and here's what she asked him. Uh, Mr. Gates, what is your secret to success? And he just gets out his checkbook, 
and he signs a check, a blank check, and he gives it to her. He goes, here, fill it out. You know what she did? She said, no, 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 no. She gave him the check back, and she said, Mr. Gage, would you answer my question, please? He goes, no, look, here, take this check. Your name goes here. Fill it out for whatever you want, says the richest man in the world. She tears up the check. She goes, Mr. Gates, I want you to answer my question. He goes, okay. Here's my answer. My secret to success is I don't pass up opportunities like you just passed up. You could have just become the richest journalist, the richest reporter on the planet, but you just have to get your question answered. You've got your agenda, so you just missed the opportunity of a lifetime. I don't miss opportunities like that. You know what makes that such a cool story? It's like, don't, like, she just, he meant it. Like, he really did give her a blank check, and if she would have put $100 million, he would have cashed it. And she missed the opportunity of a lifetime. Ooh, I would hate to be that reporter because you know what? No matter what else she does in her career, you know who she's always going to be? Oh, you're that, you're that lady who, who sit. That's, that's like who she is now. I mean, how silly is that? Okay, so, all right, so, so let's go. This week we're looking at the born identity. Okay, so, so find that one for me. Yeah, so, so born, B-O-R-N-E, identity, that's what goes in your blank. It's the same handout as last night. It's just the next page. Born. If I bear something, that means I carry it. I have this burden I'm bearing. I'm carrying this burden over here, okay? Now, I did that. I carried that. I, I bared. I, you know what I did? It, what, that burden is now born. It is something that has been carried. That's what, that's what born is. It's the past tense of to, to bear. Okay. So what's that mean? I, well, we'll talk about it. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. We are going to pick back up with the nation of Israel. We got through the Passover and the Red Sea. Remember the Red Sea, how they went through the Red Sea? And then Egypt tried to follow them, and the, and the water closed up, and the Egyptians died. We learned two things. Israel saw the dead bodies on the seashore. Remember that? Two things we learned from seeing those dead bodies. Number one, we have a defeated foe. Egypt, which pictures the world, which is still coming after you, even though you're born again, they're a defeated foe. The second thing we learn from that is there's no going back. What are you going to do? Walk along the bottom of the Red Sea? No, 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 the way is closed. You're going to swim back across the Red Sea to go back to the world? No, 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 no. You'll be swimming with all those dead bodies, and, and you can't go back anyway. Okay, so... So anyway, we learned those two things, and one question we had at the end of last night was maybe some of you need to get, not maybe some of you need to get born again, you need to get saved. Maybe some of you need to get baptized, which is pictured by that Red Sea. It's kind of my way of saying, hey, I'm not going back 
I want everyone to know I'm giving a public testimony of what's happened in my life. The death of the old, the burial, the resurrection to walk in newness of life as a child of God. Okay, Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 and 5. We've come through the Red Sea. They've done a little bit of wandering around, and here's what we find in Exodus 19, verse 4 and 5. God calls Moses up on the mountain. He's like, here's what I want you to tell everybody. Tell them this. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will keep... I'm sorry. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all of the earth is mine. Okay, so here's what we see. What in the world? God has led his people into the desert, a wilderness right next to Mount Sinai. And here's what he tells them. He says, Israel, I'm going to draw you unto myself so that you can be a peculiar, not a particular, a peculiar people. Okay? All right, so hang on a minute. I got my, got my hiking outfit on. Ready to go hiking. I got my hiking boots. I got my vest. I'm layered up just in case, you know, I got some trail mix in my pocket. We unpacked the car, put up the tent, got our, my, my little airbag, my little mattress, got the sleeping bag and my pillow, got my cooler full of Gatorade and got my bratwurst and hamburgers and camping in the wilderness is so fun. We can go hiking. Maybe we'll see some animals. Okay, if you got the car and the tent and the cooler, camping's fun. The wilderness is fun if you're just there for a week on a hike or whatever. You know when the wilderness isn't fun? When you have to live there with your little babies and with your no running water. In fact, there's no water at all. Oh, and there's no food because you're out in the wilderness. You didn't go there in the van. You walked there by foot, up and down the foothills, around the mountains, in the desert. Anyone ever walk in the desert? Yeah, it's kind of fun if you're there for a few days and you can go back to your tent. But living in the desert, living in the wilderness. Okay, so God brought his people out of Egypt, praise the Lord, and he dumped them in the wilderness. Okay, so I have some reasonable questions. Number one, if I'm God's treasure, I'm, I'm, I'm Israel here, I'm looking around. If I'm God's treasure, why am I in the wilderness? Shouldn't I, if I'm a treasure to the Lord, shouldn't I be like in the throne room? Like maybe up on a shelf and the butler comes in with his white gloves and dusts me every day. If I'm a treasure, shouldn't I have a comfortable, easy, and, and pleasurable life or just because I'm a treasure, right? If you're a treasure, okay, what do you do with your treasures? You go throw it out in the wilderness? No, you take care of that thing and you put it somewhere safe. You know, every time Christine puts something somewhere safe, she loses it because she can't remember where she put it because it was somewhere that's just a little too safe. 
and be like, hey, honey, where's that passport? Well, I put it somewhere safe. It's like, don't know. I'm never going to find it. Because it's something that, that she had to really take care of and put something somewhere special because the something is special. So God has this, not just a treasure, a peculiar treasure. So you can go to a museum and you'll see some cool paintings, but that one that's extra special, that, that one by Van Gogh, it's got the, 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 the little stanchions around it. You can't get close to that one because it's peculiar. It's, it's extra special. God says, hey, I want you. I brought you here because I want you to be a peculiar treasure. Yeah, God, you, you brought us to the wilderness. Thanks. Okay. Not a fun place to be. Okay. Reasonable question number two. Here's what the verse says. God says in verse four, you saw what I did to the Egyptians who were afflicting you and how I bear you. I carried you on eagle's wings, just like Frodo and Samwise. I, I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you unto myself. Okay, here's, here's a reasonable question. So, so, God, you did that mighty thing. Is this it? Is this that? Is, is this the end result of you doing that, that mighty work? So sometimes I imagine, like, maybe there's a church, and they don't understand. They're doing the best they can, but really they're just holding services. And you show up on Sunday, and, and you might ask yourself, is this all there is? Is this it? One hour a week, instead of watching the NFL pre-game show, I go sit in a pew, and then I go home again. Is this all there is? Is this? So you go to the next slide. Um, Reasonable question number two. God, you, 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 you did bear me on eagle's wings. You brought me there. Is, is this all there is? Is this it? Does that make sense? You guys ever maybe feel like, like that? Like maybe there should be something more to this thing than just me? Okay. Reasonable question number three. Oh, my goodness. Here's a big one. God says, you shall, I brought you unto myself. So you can be a peculiar treasure. Okay, here's reasonable question number three. If I'm Israel and I'm hearing these words that Moses is transliterating from God to me, and I'm thinking to myself, God, are you sure you got the right guy? Or you say you want a peculiar and extra special treasure. God, I don't... Maybe I'm not in the right place. But God, if you knew who I was, really, if you knew my thought life, if you knew what I've done, if you knew what happened to me, I, God, I'm not much of a treasure. I think maybe, God, you got the wrong guy. Turn, turn in your Bibles with me real quick. Go to Song of Solomon or, or Song of Songs. It's actually better called.
Song of Solomon is the Cinderella story of the Bible. It's a romance book, okay? But it's also an allegory. It's talking about Christ and the church and God and Israel, how God loves his people. But listen, you guys, check this out. Listen to what Cinderella, listen to what the girl says in response to the king. We know the king is good. Verse 2 says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for his love is better than wine. Oh my, verse 2, we're already getting steamy. Woohoo, okay. Draw me, verse 4. Draw me and we will run after thee. The king has brought me to his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. Wine, like pictures, the best things the world has to offer. But the love of God is better than whatever the world offers. The upright love the king. Okay, so this is the introduction to this book. Look at verse 5. I am sunburned. Okay? She, she, she had to work. She was a redneck. Okay? The sun, you know, it's like the Asian culture where you walk around with the umbrella on so you don't get suntan. The way it says it is, I am black, look not upon me because the sun hath looked upon me. This isn't race. This is her saying, I'm a common laborer. I have to go work in the fields. My community really looks down on that. Look not upon me, she says. I'm just a nobody. A redneck, common laborer. Verse 6, my mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. What? Your mother's children? Oh, Cinderella, you mean your siblings. Oh, no, no. It's complicated. We're one of those families. Christmas is complicated at my house. <laughs> my mother's children were angry with me, and they made me the keeper of the vineyards. They made her go out and pull weeds all day to work the vineyards. Okay, so her community valued her poorly. Her family mistreated her. Her dysfunctional family mistreated her. Here's what she said. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but, but look not upon me, she says, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. My own vineyard. So I kept the grape, the literal vineyard, but this vineyard, my body, I, I, I didn't keep that vineyard. She esteemed herself poorly. She says, don't, you guys just, don't look at me. Just stop looking at me. I'm just a nobody. My community doesn't like me, and my family doesn't like me, and I don't, I don't even like me. Verse 7, tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flock of your companions? That's a weird thing culturally. What that means, why should she turn aside? Oh, because she's a woman. And in that culture, that just means you're not valued very well. So she literally would have to turn away when the men came by, or she'd have to put up her veil to hide her face 
because her society valued her poorly. God says, I'm drawing you to myself. I want you to be a peculiar treasure to me. In the in, in Cinderella, she's saying, don't look at me. My community, my family, myself. I don't even like myself sometimes. My society, they all value me so poorly. You know what? This shepherd who, lo and behold, comes back and he's actually the king. You know what he says? Look at, look at Song of Songs, verse 4. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 7. Here's his response. You ready? Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. I don't see any blemishes. I don't see any flaws. Come with me, verse 8. Come away from all that stuff. Come away from, from your family. Come away from your community. Come away from society. Come away from your own evaluation of yourself and let me be the one who decides whether or not you got it going on. Okay, listen, I, you are all fair. I see no spot in you. I'm looking. You know what I see? I don't see any spots. I don't see any wrinkles. You are all fair, God says. Listen to this. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse, Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thy eyes. Look, you had me at hello. That's how God esteems the maiden. Okay, let's talk about opportunities. Okay. She has the opportunity to go with what God is saying. The shepherd king who says, I see no spot or wrinkle in you. That's one choice. Or she can believe her community, her dysfunctional family, her own past can define her. Okay, what she did, what happened to her. Okay, or she can let society in general put her in her place and decide who she is and isn't. Okay. For the person who chooses the bad, oh my goodness, what an opportunity is missed. Amen. Are you guys following me with this? Mm -hmm. Okay, back to Exodus. Because if God says, I, I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself to be a peculiar treasure, and we're asking ourselves, God, I don't know if you have the right person. We have to work through that same question as the maiden and the song of Solomon. So let's look at our answers. Number one, if I'm God's treasure, why am I in the wilderness? Okay. Well, because even though we are out of Egypt, it takes a minute to get Egypt out of us. 
I thank God for those of you who are saved, you have been called out, separated from the world. Praise the Lord, you're out of the world. But it takes a minute to get the world out of you. Okay, you know where God sends people to get the world out of them? To the wilderness. Oh my goodness. Okay, so our trials make us strong. They teach us how life works. See, the nation of Israel have been set free, but they don't know how to live free. This generation that's there, they were there for like 400 years, right? That's all they know is generational bondage, and now God's like, you're free, and they're like, woohoo! Woohoo! Like, woohoo! What, what do we do? I love it when someone gets saved and they ask this question. So what do I do? I know how not to live. I've been doing that. But I don't know how to live. That's when we just start discipleship. That's teaching them what the Bible says, right? Start mentorship. Teach them what the Bible says. Okay, so let's look at some verses. Uh, Leviticus 18, 1 through 3. Okay. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of the Egypt wherein you dwell, don't do that. You, 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 you can't live like you lived when you are in Egypt. Oh, and after the doings in the land of Canaan, whether I bring you, don't do that. So you can't live like Egypt where you came out of, and you certainly can't live like Canaan. They were doing stuff that's worse than Egypt. Look at, I mean, they're burning their babies on the altar to Molech. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? That makes me so mad that they would do that. That's what they were doing. You can't live like Egypt. You can't live like Canaan. It's like, well, God, how are we supposed to live? He's like, ah, we're going to spend a little time in wilderness boot camp. I'll teach you how to live. Okay? So when you go through trials, let me just contextualize it for you. Let me explain to you how to think of your trials when you're going through trials. You ready? It's a trial of your faith. It's easy to live like a Christian tonight in this place. We're singing songs to Jesus. We're studying our Bible. We're in our small groups. We're praying together. But then you get that bad news. Or you get your heart broke. And all of a sudden, it's a lot harder to just simply do the things that we know we're supposed to do as a Christian. Here comes some big temptation. It's like, oh, it was easy to live like a Christian yesterday, but now I got this person sending me texts at 1 o'clock in the morning. It's a little harder to take the window of escape right then, and you end up in, in your, it's a trial of your faith. That's what it is. It's not just a hard time. It's not a diagnosis. It's not an event. It's not a thing unto itself. Can you continue to live like a Christian even when you're going through a hard time? Everybody goes through storms in life. Sorry. They don't quit. They don't quit when you get to be my age. Have the storms in life quit, Dad? No. Sorry. 
But you know what? Storms don't scare me anymore. You know what scares me? Is when I'm not walking with the Lord and a storm comes. Then I'm like, oh, everything's bad and wrong. No, if I'm walking with the Lord and a storm comes, I'm not afraid of storms. I've been through a lot of storms. Okay. Because I've been in the wilderness. I spent some time there. The old man died and the new man came forth. The old generation dies in the wilderness. And the young generation come out. You know how they come out? They come out like an unstoppable army. Praise the Lord. Are you guys, I'm talking to you. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sort of? Okay, I'll take it. Question number two, is this it? God, you bore me on eagle's wings. You brought me into yourself. And now I'm just sitting out here outside of Mount Sinai. And Moses is up there talking. And we're just all sitting here looking at each other. God, is this it? Is this all that there is? Well, sort of. Sort of is the answer. So, so understand this. This is the key. Our rescue from death and destruction is a supernatural thing. God says, I bore you on eagle's wings. What does that mean? Were there literally giant eagles? No, but it was above. A supernatural rescue. Something that God did. Okay, so Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, For ye are dead, the old nature, before you got saved, who you used to be. Dead. But now you're alive, you're a new creature in Christ, and your life is what? It's hid. I can look at Paige, and I'm like, you don't look any different. But if I could be in heaven with spiritual eyes and look down and see that new creature, I'd be like, like the angels in heaven rejoice, the Bible says. The angels are throwing a party because they can see what we can't see. It's hid. It's a spiritual thing. It's on the inside. Okay, so listen, you're, God says, I put you on eagle's wings. I drew you to myself. And they're like, well, we don't look any different. He's like, well, you are. You just don't know it because you don't know how to live it out. It's a spiritual thing. And so Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, Paul says, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So whether you live in Kansas or Missouri, you can be content, right? Yeah. Whatever state you're in. You could probably even go to, like, Louisiana if you're spiritual enough and be content. I don't know. What's the point? The point is, because of what happens spiritually, geography, wherever I am physically, doesn't really matter. It just doesn't matter because I have something inside that sets me free so that the things that are on the outside, they can't move me. They can't destroy me. I hope you all like me. But if you don't, I have something on the inside. I'm okay. I mean, I don't want to purposefully be like, like, make people mad. But I actually have been set free 
from caring on how many Facebook likes I get. I don't even know. I don't even care. Why? Because I've been set free from all that because of what happened on the inside. Whatever state I am, God, is this where you want me? He says, yes, my child. I'm like, okay, then I'm good. Wait, where am I again? Oh, I'm in Missouri. Okay. I was in Kansas, and then, and then I was in Nebraska, and then I was in Kansas again, and now I'm in Missouri. Next month, I'm going to be in Egypt, and then I'm going to be in South Sudan, and then I'm going to be back in Missouri. You know what? I don't care. Wherever I am, it's like, well, Lord, I just want to be where you want me to be, and then I'll be fine, because it doesn't matter if people don't like it. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. I don't want it to be purposefully unpopular, but I just... I've been set free from that because of what happened on the inside. Does that make sense? Supernatural thing. Okay, so listen, God sent the people to the wilderness so that he could provide for them. One more verse here in, in Psalm chapter 63. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. I will have a quiet time in the morning, God, where I draw near to you. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land in a desert wilderness where there's no water. So the picture we're supposed to understand is that the whole world is actually a dry and thirsty land. And it's better to take two weeks to figure that out than 40 years to figure that out. But some of you, you're going to be my age before you figure that out. It is a dry and thirsty land. You don't find sustenance and satisfaction out in the world okay you just don't it's not out there we're delivered from the world we're supposed to escape all that not try to get really good at that okay i don't know if that makes sense to you but look in exodus go, go are you still in exodus yeah. chapter 14 Verses 11 through 14. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? They're, they're murmuring, they're disputing, they're complaining, a bunch of whiners. Which, okay, yes, Lord, that's, that's written for my example. I, I whine and complain too. Okay. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Why did you bring us out of Egypt just to put us in the wilderness? The people are complaining. Is this not what we said in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we die in the wilderness. I'd rather be slave than be free and then have to live in the wilderness, they're saying. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Hey, just stop. Be quiet and see what the Lord is going to do. Okay, and that's when they, they went through the Red Sea and all the Egyptians were killed. Okay, all through chapter 15, all through chapter 15, then this is this song where they're celebrating the great work that God did. Well, they wouldn't have written that song if they not gotten to a place of trouble where they needed rescue. Does that make sense? So God put them there to show them he's going to rescue them. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. They're complaining again. We're so hungry. You brought us out here to starve to death. It'd be better if we were in Egypt. Here's what 
Then said the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain amount every day. And that's when the manna came. So, so God allowed the people in the wilderness to have a trial of their faith. He let them get thirsty so he could hit the rock and water would come forth. He let them get hungry so he could provide manna from heaven. He let them get in trouble so he could rescue them supernaturally. So when you're in the wilderness, when you're going through a trial, just understand that God is at work trying to get you to the place where, you'll, where you will trust him and not say to yourself, I want to go back to the world. But you don't get that unless you're in the wilderness. We all need the wilderness. Boot camp. Has anyone here been to boot camp in the military? Okay. How was boot camp? Was that fun? Yeah. <laughs> boot camp, not fun. How do you come out of boot camp? Different, yeah. You come out of boot camp different. You come out stronger. Don't you Don't you know growing hurts? Anyone here have growth pains? You wake up and you have to stretch. It's better than being short your whole life. <laughs> Spiritually, there's growth pains. It's better than being a spiritual baby your whole life. Okay, God does that because we need it. Nothing wrong with being short. Nothing wrong. Sorry to all the short people. <laughs> Number three, and this is where we're going to close with. Are you sure, God, you have the right person that you want to be a peculiar treasure? Okay. Yes. Yes, God is sure. Remember what you have seen with the eyes of faith, God would say to Israel. Remember how... I did these things. Remember how I carried you supernaturally, how I drew you to myself, how I protected you, how I defeated the enemies, how I fed you, how I gave you water to drink, and I have called you unto myself to be a treasure. Okay, wait a minute. Let's not miss the opportunity like the reporter who forever will be the one who missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime. These things are written for our examples upon whom the end of the world has come. It's written so that we would know how to respond to God when he gives us the opportunity of a lifetime. So listen, remember how God, the verse says, did bear you. He carried you. He picked you up out of this world that you were a bona fide citizen of the devil's uh, uh, economy. You were part of that. You were a citizen of a fallen race and a fallen world, and you fit just fine in there. And here's what God did. He said, no. And you put your faith in him, and he brought you up, and he set you free. Whom, whom the Son has made free is free indeed. And God has brought us unto himself and in second peter he wants us to be a peculiar people he wants us to be special he's drawing us to himself now listen here's where we get into our title slide for this one we need to have a born identity what does born mean something that has been created bear 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 carried 
it has been born. My burden that I did bear is now a born burden because it has been carried. Listen, did God carry you? Did God lift you up? Did God bring you unto himself? Yes or no? Then you need to have a born identity. Follow me on this. If I will simply believe God and say yes to him. So I'm going to say no to the haters who want to define me by everything that's wrong with me. Are you kidding me? What a jerk move. You're just going to make a list of everything that's wrong with me, the things that I've done, the things that happened to me, the bad diagnoses, all my flaws, which, man, I've got a list a lot longer than they do. They only know. I'm going to let those haters define me. And here's what God says. I see no spot. I see no wrinkle. And here's the difference between choosing to be defined by the haters. Because you know what? There is a lot of stuff wrong with me. Because that's my wife. I mean, she can make a giant list of things wrong with me. Because she knows me really well. She's not a hater, but, I mean, if they ever got her list, I'd be, it'd be all day, like, going through that stuff. The difference between someone who's defined by everything that's wrong, because that's what the devil does, you guys. He puts people in bondage. And being someone who God says, I see no spot, I see no wrinkle, I, I only see fairness. Come away, my fair one. You know what the difference is? Someone that says yes to the Lord. Yes, God, I believe what you say about me. You say I have been lifted up and carried away. Well, then, yes, Lord, I'll take that check. And I'll write my name right there. And it makes Bill Gates offer that check just look like toilet paper. Nothing compared to what God is offering us. An identity that is based, here it is, that's based on something that God did. not based on all the wrong that I did. My identity is based on the fact that God did bear me on eagle's wings and he brought me unto himself as a peculiar treasure. Yes, Lord, that is who I am. Because that's who he says I am. Now, meanwhile, the self-talk, the devil, the haters... They're just going over everything that's wrong with me. Well, who, who are you going to believe? I'm not saying there's not a lot of stuff there. I'm saying that's not my identity. My identity is not going to be based on all the wrong that I did. It's going to be based on all the right that God did. And Jesus Christ took all my wrong upon himself. And now he says, come on. Come. You hungry? You thirsty? Come to the river. Come on, jump in. Whosoever will. Oh my goodness, you guys. If we can have a born identity, someone who has been carried, because see, your community probably may not value your dysfunctional family, your ex, your past. You know, in, in junior high and high school, it tends to be 
kind of exclusive snobby people who make all the rules and set the rules and then you got to be all exclusive and kind of mean to decide like who's in and who's not but you know what in the real world and for all eternity it is the God of the Bible who sets the rules oh my goodness do not miss this opportunity are you seeing the world for what it is? Are you seeing God for who he is and who he is calling you to be? And are you willing to say yes to that? So here's our key point. You must believe that you are who God says you are so that you can live like it. So here's our key response. You must realize that God's ways... And the world's ways are extremely different. And as God's people, we must learn to trust in his ways. And this is the great adventure. Whosoever will, get your hiking boots on and come on. Leave this world behind and come on. Okay, so... Reasonable question for y'all. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? That would be something to discuss in your in your cabin, your your your, your small groups. Questions? Any questions? No. No questions. Well, how about we pray and close out? Father, we love you. God, you know, Bill. Gates offered the reporter a check and she didn't take it. And forever she's going to be the person who missed the opportunity of a lifetime because she had her own agenda. Okay, well, God, I think we're starting to see that you're calling us away from bondage to this world. You're calling us out of darkness and into light. You're calling us out of hate. And into love, you're calling us out of condemnation, and you're calling us into absolute love, truth, and justification in Christ. Oh, Father.